Welcome to The Future Strategist, and I'm here again with Gregory Cochran, and we are, of course, going to be talking about uh, COVID-19. Hey, Greg, how are you? Okay, so far. Yeah, me too, me too. So you and our conversations, you're a bit angry with some of the commentators. Well, that's not entirely news, except, you know, here I think they're being wrong on things of greater immediate consequence. Ah, so what what has been troubling you about some of the things people have been saying about COVID-19? It's probably hard to talk about without at least speculating about why they're saying odd things. But, you know, this is decreasing, but lots of people have been explaining this isn't really serious, that all the reactions are overreactions and it's just another flu. You've certainly heard people say that. I have, yeah. I don't – I think that's uh, – seriously mistaken i don't quite know where it comes from but i don't think it has a whole lot to do with the facts it's well, uh, okay well one argument for this not being serious is that a huge number of people have already gotten it and if that's true of course the death rate is fairly low and we don't have much to worry about what do you think of that argument it's false what's your evidence for it being false well there was the logical evidence that was you could do early if um because people were saying as opposed to, you know, a cert, let's say a small fraction and fairly high danger from it, perhaps it's very, very much more common with very low danger per individual. Yes. Of course, if that were true, you would have had lots of people test, you know, you would have thought tests would have shown that, and none of them do. Are okay, we, the are we the confident tests, these tests are accurate? Could they be missing a huge number of people? Well, the, the early sorts of tests involved tests for the presence of the virus. Some people said, and they weren't, it wasn't there in very high fraction of people. Uh, uh, but other people suggested, well, they had earlier had it and then cleared the virus, and so they were negative on that test. Uh, but if that was true, then everything else in the world was false. You see, because the problem with this virus is if it's growing rapidly, most of the cases are very new. Right. If it doubles every – suppose it doubles every five days, then 75% of the cases are less than 10 days old, all right? right? So uh, you would not expect a very big fraction to be in this situation where they had cleared the virus and no longer tested positive. Now, the reason people uh, – including people at, for example, this Oxford group that mm -hmm. suggested lots and lots of people had it – as far as I can tell, there is another virus spreading at the same time that destroys your brain. <sighs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was obviously untrue. Okay? Obviously. Obviously, obviously, obviously untrue. But there are other pieces of evidence. One is uh, in this town, a ski town, uh, I think in Telluride, mm -hmm. they actually – some rich people there who patronize the skiing in that area – had everybody tested with a serological test, which tells you if you have antibodies to it, i.e. if you've already had it. And essentially, hardly anybody did. And this test is very accurate, we can be confident of? Well, it would, since there were only like two out of 500 people that scored positive, yeah. And, uh, and similarly, uh, uh, I mean, this what it is, is it's purely a product of wishful thinking. Wouldn't it be nice if? Uh, that's all it's from, the idea that vast numbers of people already have it. They were talking about this in the British government. Uh, before that, they were talking about uh, – they apparently had a model that somebody had whipped up for a different virus. 
and they said this is what will guide our response. The problem is the characteristics of that virus were very different. It didn't put that many people desperately sick in the hospital. And so why would you then use that, considering that you know there was plenty of time to see how dangerous this was in terms of effects in Italy? Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I think that this is a, sh- a good example that you you do not always expect that when people do insane and things that it's because of malice or they're being paid off because, for example, the British government key people have all managed to contract to contract this virus, which is a strong evident argument for the alternate hypothesis, which is they're just a pack of fools. Yeah. Also, I was thinking that the death rate that we see, it does seem to be consistent with recent exponential growth. It would be hard to sort of match. A lot of people have had this, and we just now see this rapid increase of deaths. Well, I mean, there are certainly... There are some people who don't have a lot of symptoms, but that fraction is something less than a half. Okay. It's not 99% or anything like that. And we could see that, for example, on that cruise ship. Mm-hmm. The cruise ship, um, people, I mean, people took some wrong lessons from it, but that's largely because they wanted to. Uh, uh, we had, we knew how many people caught it on the test, and then we saw how many people died of it, and the, and. By the way, that number increased over time because sometimes it takes an extended period of the hospital before you finally die. We're now up to about 1.4% of those infected. Another wrong lesson, people said, well, only about 20% got infected, so that's probably the natural limit. But what the natural limit on a ship where everybody's been warned about it, and then they're all cowering in their rooms, there, it's not the natural limit if you do nothing, is much higher than 20%. Although I have seen other people who I was like, you know, maybe irritated at, uh, like Ionides at uh, Stanford, who was suggesting the natural limit of infections would be 1%. From where do you get that number? We've seen other diseases with similar R-naughts in the past, and they tended to spread about as much as mathematics would predict, which means like a quarter of the population, half the population, depending on how easily it spread. Where does this 1% come from? And the answer is out of his ass. It's, <laughs> uh, uh, and that was particularly strange because Ionides has a pretty good reputation in, in at least knowing something. But uh, a lot of other people, some of whom were listened to, started out with a reputation in this field of knowing nothing at all. Uh, so one guy who got apparently was listened to in high places was Richard Epstein. Yes, he's a legal scholar. Uh, and he was explaining that uh, we're vastly overreacting to it. His estimate in the article he wrote was the United States will have no more than 500 deaths. I mean, this was in ancient times, like a week, what, the 23rd or something when he wrote this, or the 20th? Mm-hmm. At any rate, that the United States would have no more than 500 deaths. The United the world would have no more than 50,000, blah, blah, blah. Okay, now since we hit 500 deaths within about six days after he wrote that article – um, he has an explanation. That was a typo. He meant to say 5,000. He left out a zero. But, you know, as an eminent legal scholar, you can't expect him to get things within, right within a factor of 10. But you know we're going to hit 5,000 probably in less than 10 days. And my theory is that he'll say the same thing again. And he'll say, I forgot another zero. Yeah. Well, there's there's no math on the uh, admission exam to law school, so can't really blame well, you, them. You you've been there, you would know. Uh, 
but uh, uh, no, I can really blame him. You're mistaken about that. I very well can. Uh, he is promulgating stuff that is highly dangerous, and unfortunately, he's been listened to. Although my theory is he's listened to less than he was a week ago. Yeah, there's some people who are claiming that, yeah, this will kill a few percent of the population, but, you know, the harm to the economy is going to be so awful and so many people will die from that that it's probably just worth it to let the virus, you know, do what it wants to do. What do you think of uh, that argument? I think it would be better to let me do what I want to do. <laughs> you know, we know, generally speaking, that in deep, like in the Great Depression and in many other recessions, the sort of, you know, are there lots of physical casualties lots of people die because of these things the answer is no they don't mm -hmm. i mean we have the numbers and in fact mortality went down in the great depression not up yeah and um, in terms of you know the economy suffering long-term damage i mean that I, I economists are not saying that i mean our our economic you know, wealth and potential is stored in people's brains and in our physical equipment in our land and our legal system. And it's, you know, most of it is going to survive. If you had, well, let's do a couple of other comparisons. I've been thinking about other times where either there were, um, there was, there were a lot of people out of work or there are a lot of people for a, a period who chose not to work or where a lot of production was channeled into things that, you know, weren't useful in everyday in, in terms of the normal economy. Yeah. So in, in World War II, we got up to the fact of over 35% of the national product was being put into things like artillery shells and tanks, which actually aren't that useful in peacetime, uh, and for three years. And did we, did, you know, all sorts of terrible things happen in the United States at home in terms of, you know, higher death rates, higher? And the answer is no, none of that happened. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, or another example, which I think is even more frightening, is how uh, uh, in France and Italy, it's not unknown to have something like half the people be out of work in August and on the beach. Yeah, that's a really important fact. I mean, a lot of Europe just kind of takes off for August. They go on vacation. They accept they're not going to produce as much in August as they would in other months, but it's worth it for them. And, you know, they, you know, September comes around, they can get back into doing things. Isn't that strange? Yes, but but what if they did it for two months? That would be the end of the world, right? Yeah. But I mean, I, and and even if it is, if if they get away with it, if we did something similar, that would mean the French would have won. We <laughs> would be forced to eat snails and frogs. I mean, America Americans <laughs> would have French mistresses like Leslie Caron imposed upon them <laughs> against our will. <laughs> I mean, the, the basic point is, you know, in the Western world, we are spectacularly rich compared to what you need to not starve to death. We can afford to take a few months off just because, you know, in France, because it's fun, they'd rather be a little bit poorer and have that vacation time. Or now to not have, you know, one to five percent of us die and 20 percent of us to get horribly sick. We could definitely afford this. It's not even close. Yes, and, and the but, people claiming but, otherwise, that's just crazy. Yes. Hey, you're, you're stealing my lines, man. Oh, I mean, sorry, I've been talking to you too much. Uh, but it's true. Uh, and um, uh, now there are some people uh, who are saying, but I'll have to keep paying rent, and I don't have the kind of financial reserves. And you, you could say perhaps 
forms of organization may be disrupted. Yes. But much of that could be patched over. I mean, look, besides, it's not like everything's going to stop. Uh, key things, like anything where there's very little risk, like a farmer in a tractor that's air-conditioned and he's plowing by himself, he's not taking any risk, and he's doing something that has to be done. Yeah. Okay. We know that they're going to have to have some people who continue to do things like keep utilities working, who keep uh, 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 the water systems working. Uh, you're going to the people who are going to have the toughest are the health workers there. And also a lot of people can do some things in some cases, perhaps more than they regularly manage by working at home. But there are a lot of people whose lives will be disrupted. And one thing, which would I think paper over most of it is if, which I think you said some people are already considering, but I'm trying to think of the right word for it. Something in which you sort of suspend financial time. You know, you don't have to, other than making sure people get enough to eat, People don't have to pay rent. The company that owns the building doesn't have to pay on its debt. You know, a lot of things. It's like uh, – uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Uh, for example, uh, one of my sons called it the day the earth stood still, which I like because this gives us a chance. Like when it's over, the president gets to officially say, Klatu Barada Niktu. But another possible thing is uh, call it – I've heard it called a hiatus. I've called it like an extension where you told – like when you tell all your kids in the class you have another five days to finish that uh, term paper, mm -hmm. uh, it's – that would maybe give it a feel that's not totally unrealistic that people are – but everybody seems to think that if – you know, that things can't be suspended, but they often are. I mean there are some challenges with that. So you're not paying your landlord, but your landlord – I mean, has borrowed money, and some of the money the landlord borrowed is in the international so, markets. So, are we going to be telling, you know, foreign banks that have lent money to American companies, hey, we're not going to be paying you interest for two or three it? months? Uh, well, I might try to, you know, uh, give them the finger while I was saying that, just to really show how much I meant it. But sure, what are they going to do about it? Well, uh, that'll. I mean, that'll really disrupt the financial system. It might create a precedent. I'm not sure I favor this. I would rather just to say, look, borrow extra money and then we'll, you know, we'll use the stimulus to, we'll, we'll pay you back if you are, you know, in great need. A lot of those other countries are pretty heavily disrupted at this moment themselves. Yeah. I think, I mean, like apparently every country in Europe is going down a path that is similar to ours. Maybe I have. Now, some of them have started earlier, and they've tried harder to try to restrict things, but I don't see any sign of clear success yet. I, I, uh, just, I mean, the financial system is extremely complicated, and now isn't the time, I don't think, to be experimenting with new mechanisms. We should use the existing mechanisms, which is, you know, borrow, declaring bankruptcy, getting government bailouts, government loans. And I just believe remember, something radically different seems... Do you remember Not when we quite. devalued the dollar back in the 80s and made the the worth of the Japanese, uh, you know, the bonds that had been bought by the Japanese, we cut it 40% on one day? I do not remember that. I'm not a macroeconomist, so. I remember it. I, I also mm. remember there are countries that have a ritual of, of, of refusing to pay their bonds every 20 years or so, like and Argentina. They, yeah, and Argentina was as rich as the United States a long time ago, and because of their but, idiotic, you know, federal economic policies, they fell behind. And, there were, but the international part wasn't the big part. I mean, look, 
Everything Argentina does. <laughs> I sincere. What they really found was that people are suckers and will give you the money again. People, have, they've been defaulting since the 1890s. And I'm sure um, they're paying much higher interest. Besides, I'm not talking default. I'm talking a suspension for three months. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe. I just don't think now is the time to be engaging in massive government coerced financial experimentation. We should do well, use the tools we have that we've looked at before. We've, we've done it before. I mean, when, when, like, for example, which would you rather have, suspending interest payments for three months or devaluing the dollar you pay in by 40% forever? Um, I'm not sure we're going to be devaluing the dollar. And I, we, most of uh, our obligations are, are a dollar. Yeah. We have done it. We did it versus the yen. Baker did it. It's amazing how I'm not even sure the Chinese remember, because if they did, why would they buy our treasury bonds? I've never understood. Well, it. I think our treasury bonds are dollar denominated. I mean, we, you don't really gain because we're supposed to pay the Chinese in dollars. So I'm not sure we would be able to cut our debt much. We It would be inflation if we if we started in, in inflating. That's how we would cut our effective obligation to our bondholders. It's it's interesting how many different attempts there have been to inflate the currency in the past ten years, none of which have had any substantial effect at all. Well, I mean, partially doing the, stuff there aren't even words for, and it still didn't make any difference. Well, but part of it is the Federal Reserve Board doesn't want inflation, and they're really the ones that would, they would have to go along with the program, and they're not. Nevertheless, do I worry about international payments? Not a bit. I don't screw them. I don't care. Uh, do I worry about uh, you know ruining all the mom and pop stores? I think if you have something which is a hiatus, a suspension, you know, uh, an extension, everybody gets to hand in their homework late. I think you won't have much trouble with it. Uh, and uh, I think that everybody's concern that this is a a serious problem is I I don't know where it comes from. It doesn't make any sense. Okay, of course you know that doesn't limit public discourse very much. But, uh, uh, I mean, I don't get it. Uh, I mean, I, I have the feeling some of these people are sure, well, if I don't show up, these other guys will take my business. I said, but they won't show up either, at least for within the country. Well, that... I think Amazon is going to be stealing a lot of stores' business. There's a lot of people who are now ordering online, and, you know, they might say, hey, I this, is, this works. Just like online education is probably going to – draw out some people who are going to traditional colleges and you know there'll be yeah. more parents who homeschool now after they you know no, they're no. forced to do it and they're like hey i like this better but, but they mostly won't like it better uh the uh and also i mean amazon you might be right although that trend was happening already uh, yeah. although it may speed it up as for online education i think it works but i don't think anybody wants it so i don't i think people will do it just exactly as long as they have to and they'll quit the moment they can uh maybe i mean just a personal example i you know i have a local pharmacy i used to go to and when this first started i'm like i don't want to walk into my pharmacy so i, I switched to to amazon's um pharmacy pill pack there and that one might happen, but I'm saying, for example, with education, although it makes no sense, I mean, why we'll have hundreds of people giving roughly equivalent lectures for 100-level courses in, say, economics, when we could have two guys do this and record it, and they would we could even pick guys who are better than average. Like, why do we do that? There is no logical reason, but I don't expect it to change because I know people have tried in earlier well, what, what I was saying is people – there was a fad a few years ago for these massively online courses. Yes. And 
people it's an opportunity you'd think people could you know since people go to college to learn and so forth that this would be more convenient that it would take off but it didn't uh and people don't go to college to learn except you know a few eccentric people mm -hmm. uh i mean or rather it's a component but it isn't the biggest it's to get the official uh, uh diploma and even though you can do that in some cases with online i don't think people take it as seriously for some reason um, and no i don't think i don't think that particular thing will change as much as you might think i mean if it was based on the logic of it and does this work and is it cheaper we would have been doing it 10 years ago and it's not really happening very much uh, well it's like people working from home i mean it is growing and it you know there's different things to work out and it might be just we don't have all the details down people uh, as somebody was saying you know it'll be great to decrease the number of conferences yeah. and you know all the painful travel and uh you know and the the horribleness of you know having to have a meeting in in Paris or London or New York uh and you know hanging out with colleagues including younger ones of the opposite sex right. nobody wants that well a lot of people don't like traveling and would rather you know organizations would rather not have to pay for it well then they would have already been doing this a lot but they really didn't and i uh, as or as i pointed out uh in-person conferences are probably an important part of long-distance gene flow. That's certainly true, but it, you know, it depends on the age group. There's a lot of people going to these conferences that are past childbearing age. And yes, sure. I have watched people. You know, when you have one semi. Uh, Perhaps know, we shouldn't go in too much detail in this. Um, I, I, people, people, a lot of people, not everybody actually enjoy human contact mm -hmm. it's paradoxical though it may seem yes uh, but there uh, are there are costs to that but yeah and some people like going to exotic places on somebody else's dime mm -hmm. and i don't think that will no i think people may be inhibited for a bit but uh no i don't expect enormous change uh, and there are other things which again are not apparently strictly rational i got the impression there were a lot of places where they would have done better to work from home but the bosses even if it works, still don't like it. Yeah, that that certainly could be. And but now, if it if it seems to be working, it'll be harder for the bosses to restrict it, or the employees could you know maybe start their own firm. What I'm hoping is that I don't expect this online education to replace all colleges. I hope there is clear paths where you don't lose status. You don't. You, you still can have very good credential if you choose to go to an online school. Uh. It could happen, uh, but there's a lot of inertia. There's a lot of people who would would be hurt by this, and the benefits are more diffuse. Uh, I mean, you know, like why? You know, there's no reason for most colleges to exist at all, uh, uh, or most most professors. And you know, if we harped on that, we might make people sad. Uh, uh, whereas the you know the advantages, which mainly involve things being cheaper, you know, they're significant. But uh, I mean, if that were true. You would think that college, as far as I could tell, there are colleges that hike their uh, tuition because they think it'll draw people, and apparently it does. Yeah, but you have to distinguish between the, the you know the sticker value and what you really pay, <sighs> sticker price. I mean, you can hike tuition, but they give more financial aid, so it's just a weird game. But let's let's go back to to COVID nineteen. What are the numbers looking like for this week? All bad. Things are. You could tell the Italians are trying to control it, but they're still having like. 
what, eight, 800 die or 700 to 800 die a day. Uh, and those are the official numbers, which are, are low because we know lots of people are just dying quietly at home because they can't even get into the hospital. We have seen towns where the actual deaths are four, five, six times. Although, again, you illustrate certain interesting points. Like you have a town. This is a town called, I think, uh, Nembro. Mm-hmm. in nor- northern uh, Italy, and they had something like 120 people die over a three-week week period. Normally, they'd have something in the teens. And the official number killed by this was about 30, but uh, uh, the real number is is the whole excess, probably, which is you know more like 100. Uh, so that was underreported by three times or something. And I heard people saying, well, maybe those other people are dying of stress. Or I said, or, you know, maybe they're dying because they don't get to watch their favorite soap opera. You know, maybe yeah. they're dying. The point is, uh, since most of the people talking about this have wrong ideas about every single thing in the universe, like how many people die of short-term stress? Well, a good approximation is zero. Mm -hmm. Or they say, what about other people who won't be getting good medical care so they'll have higher mortality because the hospital is already full with COVID people? And the answer is, yeah, that's real. But it's not that real because the difference between going and not going to the hospital uh, you know, for most people, isn't enormous because mostly those things weren't going to kill you right then. Only for a few things does it make a big difference that those things aren't that common. So, like, if we say there were something like 100 extra deaths, how many of them would you expect to be due directly to being infected with this as opposed to indirect effects like this guy has some sort of trouble and he can't get into the hospital in time? I said probably 95 of them are direct. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, the difference between having hospital care for most diseases of old age versus not is not really huge. But for this one, it's much bigger. Yeah. Has uh, Italy lowered its R0? Uh, it must have done so to some extent because, you know, things are not growing as fast as they did. I mean, the number of cases, the number of deaths. Let me see what the – yeah, I mean, they only had the official number – of new cases was only 5,000-something, and the official number of deaths was only 756. I think their highest was just short of 900. So or maybe it was over 900. It was something like that, less than 1,000, certainly. But that what they, uh, but it's clear that they have not gotten the control they hoped for because it isn't going down very much, although it might be getting close to flat. But it's flat at a high number of deaths per day isn't great. Mm-hmm. Also, they did things that show they're worried. They thought, you know, all along the China, they have had Chinese guys talking to them saying, you're not doing enough in terms of trying to shut down the country. It's not going to be enough. And they perhaps they listened, but they did not do all the things the Chinese had done. And then what was it, uh, Thursday or Friday, they said, well, we need to do more. And they shut down most of the factories in Italy. Mm-hmm. So the only reason you would do that is because things aren't going as well as you need them to. What do the numbers look like for the United States? We've got more total cases. Most of those cases are very new. We're up to, like we had, you know, like 200. I mean, by the way, these numbers are partial. We're getting up into the high 200s, I think, for yesterday, for example, uh, high deaths. Today it's only 218, but one of the things about this is that uh, you're getting, um, you know, reports throughout the day. They're not all coming, you know, they're coming from states and things. Yeah. So, like, daily new deaths. Okay. Uh, uh, I will look for, I have a chart in front of me. On March 24th, it was 225. March 25th, it was 247. 
March 26, it was 268, only a little bit higher. On March 27th, it was 400. On March 28th, it was 525. We're seeing exponential growth in deaths. Now, of course, there'll be a lag because of you know we're, we're, our social yes. distancing, but there's uh, no there's no evidence that our what we're doing is causes us to get an R not below one yet, right? I have seen no evidence that there's any place in the United States where it has ended up below one. For example, Washington State, things started early there. Yeah, they're not quite as insane as say, the people running New York, and they've tried hard to, uh, to control it, and their R-naught is undoubtedly lower, but it's not low enough. It's not below one. So, for example, see, in R, uh, there's a doubling time, uh, and it's the last I checked on Washington State, it's about eight days. Now, people said, oh, that's that's just like having it under control. And the answer is it's, it's not, but it is closer. And if you turn the screw maybe only two more turns, you might get it below, but you haven't done it yet. And for example, you know, our perspective is being warped by the, the great speed at which things are happening. But having a problem that doubles every eight days, yeah. you know, normally you'd say that's the scariest thing I ever ran into in my life. And that's the, probably the best controlled place in the United States is Washington State. I mean, th that is of places where they have a lot of decent statistics. I mean, there's some states where it probably it's just barely even there. I mean, again, still, there's not a whole lot in New Mexico. Uh, but... Uh, if there is a way to let it run free because of incompetence, we will find it. <laughs> Trust me. What are the odds you think the U.S. will have deaths, say, under 100,000 when this is over? Barring uh, a miracle, not very good. And Anthony Fauci, had he said, well, you know, if we really got under control, we might have only 100,000 to 200,000 dead. But he is like the people talking about the flu in 1918. Every single time they said something, they lowballed it because they said, well, people would get all upset if we told them the truth. Uh, and this is happening at multiple levels. I might compare it to Afghanistan, where, you know, the guy who's having to interact with the uh, says, boy, things are bad, but I need to make it look a little better, like I'm accomplishing something to my boss. You go through three layers and the top guy's doing it too. And so we end up with 18 years of it's getting better and better and better and better, except that at the end of the process, things are actually worse. Now, this one is, in terms of the inaccuracy, it's worse than that because it isn't just people trying to tailor things to please their boss. They're trying to, they're scared personally. They're, people are trying to come up with a story that means they don't have to be as scared as they would be if they just looked at it straight. What do you think, what are we on track for in the United States for how many deaths? The question all depends on what we do. Okay, I can tell you, I just saw a reasonable calculation, a little more detail than my, you know, back of the envelope things I was doing. Uh, like if we did nothing, if we said, okay, let it rip, let everything happen, maybe 10 million. That's, well... Okay, because I've been saying six, yeah. but, but that was using what I knew was a conservative and overly simple thing, assuming r not like when you get down to r not equals one, that it stops spreading. It doesn't stop. It just slows down a lot. Right. Uh, but, uh, for example, uh, uh, if everybody stayed home starting tonight, or rather everybody except people doing the essential things, yeah. uh, which are may, many of them are outdoor things, um, then Fauci might be right. We might get under 100,000 if everybody went home tonight and stayed there for a couple of months. Are, but have we done that? No. Are we about – I mean, there's whole states 
you know, that refused to cooperate at all. Now that could be fixed, but it hasn't been fixed. Uh, like, uh, like, you know, Florida, what is the predicted outcome in Florida? I said, well, you've got like a quarter of the people are old because of the retirement stuff. There's whole, it's going to be more horrible than anything you ever saw in your life. Yeah. We could make it better if we acted decisively, but it's, I don't see it happening today. I think the probability is not zero. We will get to that, but the longer we wait, the higher cost will pay. And there are still many people saying, yes, but think of the economy. Uh, uh, and uh, plus, for that matter, I see a certain number of people who are reveling at the thought of certain classes of the country being dead. Uh, I don't know how common they are. They're certainly not rare on the Internet. And other people who simply say, no, there's there's nothing happening. It's all a vast conspiracy. Uh, like I, I suggested, for example, that the, uh, the people dying in Italy are actually, you know, I was uh, – please, people, remember, I am making a joke here <laughs> – that the people in Italy who were dying were crisis actors. <laughs> You know, which is a, a conspiracy theory thing that says if if there's something that I don't like, it was it was faked. You right. know, if there's a somebody massacres a bunch of people with a um, an automatic weapon, that's just a plot by anti-gun people. That didn't those people those kids aren't really dead. Well, in the same way, uh, it turns out that those guys being buried in vast numbers in northern Italy are crisis actors, and as one of my uh, correspondents pointed out, they are method actors guys who get so far into the part they are willingly buried alive but yeah things i don't think um and i mean everybody wants to think that things are less bad where they are and sometimes they're right but less bad doesn't mean much if you have a i mean a doubling time of eight days eight days isn't very long uh i mean new york it might be two or three it's an ideal situation. But um, now you might know some of these things I don't know. Like what's one thing you need to do in New York? And by the way, it fits easily with everybody staying home. You close the subway. Yeah. The subway is designed. You know, we know there have been cases in China where a bunch of people would catch it on bus from one person and stuff. You know, the air is confined inside. It's designed to be bad. But I don't believe they have closed the subways, although I – I would be happy to be misinformed on this. I don't believe they closed the subways in London, but they have to. Okay? But they haven't done it. There's not a way of disinfecting regularly? Of spreading well, my, my way is I just pump all the air out and people still want to get in. <laughs> there is no simple way. This stuff is pretty infectious. I was reading about a chorus in, uh, was it Oregon or Washington? And they tried to follow some of the rules they had been told. So these people were singing, and they were trying to stand six feet apart and so forth. But at yeah. least one person had it, and at the end of it, 45 out of the 60 were infected. It's not that hard to transmit. Well, um, do you think six feet is enough if you're – No. What do you think – what's a safe distance? Probably more like 30. So if you're – what about outside? If you go for a walk outside and you Outside, have... probably more like 30. 30 feet outside is the safe distance, not six feet. Well, there are different levels of safety. I mean, there are things, you know, I could describe a rule that said people have to be 15 feet apart, and it wouldn't work every time. And, for example, if you caught it in the, one of those rare exceptions and it killed you, you'd feel bad, right? But uh, there are rules that if everybody followed them would probably be enough to slow down the spread until it's below one. So it would be yeah. shrinking. But but. You, as a personal individual who might value your own light hide very highly, you might try to for something more than 10 feet. 
you see what I'm saying? I, I mean, there are a lot of mm-hmm. things like that. Like, like let's suppose that mass um, decreased your risk in a lot of marginal situations. They decreased your risk by half or something. Uh, I mean, if you're really close to a bunch of people coughing, they're probably not enough. But let's suppose you were almost far enough away. Yeah. Then they might well help. Uh, but uh, uh, and if everybody was wearing masks, some people would still get affected. But it might, you know, be very useful from the overall slowing down the spread. But you personally might want an even better mask because you value yourself very highly. At least, you know, some people do. Uh, so, you know, there. Are, if I wanted, if somebody was asking me, what should I do to be perfectly safe? I would tell them something stricter. That if somebody asked, what rule if everybody followed it would be enough to make mm-hmm. this thing stop we could get by with you know a looser rule if everybody actually followed it okay but you think people for example they're going to a supermarket and they're standing six feet apart they're still at considerable risk don't go there that was simple what, get about, deli- what about takeout food i haven't actually heard of any problems with it so it's prob it's not as like, this thing is primarily a respiratory pathogen i i mean Primarily, there you know, may be other significant paths, but they probably don't account for very much. But, you know, could it be on surfaces, like on the surface of the pizza or something? I don't know enough to say. I can think of methods that if we implemented them would solve that problem. Yeah, we discussed we, we that. talked about before. And, um, I don't know because I haven't seen anybody do any, any measurements. Uh, the I mean, there's certain things I I think I, I'm confident I pre, a priori are going to be fine, but there's others that I think you don't really know unless you measure. But your guess now is it's far better to get deliveries from from Amazon and and rest local restaurants than it is to stand in the supermarket, even if you're staying six feet away from everybody. Oh yeah, I mean because you know if you go to the restaurant, you you're exposed to the restaurant workers directly in terms of things like respiratory things. I mean. As well as your, if there's any transmission on the food, mm-hmm. that also happens. But, if you have delivery, you only have one of those factors at okay. most. Well, it's got to be better. But comparing it, to going to the supermarket, like going to the supermarket once every two weeks versus getting a whole bunch of things sent to your house like, regularly, it's probably. I wouldn't do it. Not right now. I mean, be, there's probably. I would you, not go to the supermarket at all. all. Right. Uh, now, there are people. Uh, I mean, there's probably places where you can get away with it. I mean, maybe if you – like suppose you have a mountain town. It's got one road into it. Most of the people there are miners. There are mm-hmm. no skiers. Yeah, I mean, there's towns like that where I'm sure there's not a single case yeah. so so far. But I can also say that in 1918 and in other times, the flu tends to get to all of these places, and it's less contagious than uh, coronavirus. Yeah. So uh, – the fact that something – oh, and by the way, people are talking a lot. What's all the mysterious heterogeneity? I said there are probably about two, three factors, and it's, there's nothing very mysterious. I almost wish there was because we could use it. But, like, you know, why is country X have a lower death rate? I said, well, they're doing more testing and or they're, it was introduced more recently, and some of the, the, cages, the cases are not old enough for people to be – people take a little while to get to the point of dying from this thing, usually, like, you know, three weeks. Yeah. Like – I saw somebody on Twitter was saying, well, you know, only uh, 0.15% of, uh, of Germans are dying. What are they doing better? I said, it's newer. It has, mm-hmm. it has, it's, and the original introduction was typically, apparently, skiers, mostly young and fairly healthy. I said, and then, so I said, so now it's 
What are they doing less good than they did a week before? Then I said, now it's 0.55%. Now we're up to 0.75%. What's it doing? It's converging. Mm-hmm. What it is, it's the same virus. The way people are dealing with it is not radically different, and they're probably converging to the, I'll call it the case A situation, where there's plenty of medical care. And that number is probably 1.5%. Mm-hmm. Judging from Korea, judging from the Diamond Princess. Now there is a second, worse number, which is when the hospitals are all full. And that's what you're seeing in places like Italy and Spain. And you saw it for a while in China. And you're going to see it in France, and you're going to see it in England, and you're going to see it in New York next week. And if I have to hear any more people explaining it's all an elaborate hoax, I think it would be good for them to see this up personally and give give them a spade so they can help dig the graves. And what is the likely death rate if you're not getting medical care? Higher than one and a half percent. Let's say, I don't know, four, five, eight, something, uh, something bad. Uh, because if you're in a situation, and by the way, ventilators are not the only thing. They might not even be the most important thing. For example, if you said, this person has low enough oxygen saturation, they need oxygen, you know, something short of right. the ventilator. Uh, what if they only needed it for one afternoon? They would, And then at the next day, they would have been better. But what if there's no oxygen mass left? Yeah. I mean, this can generate enough people, it can overwhelm any medical system in the world. When people are saying, well, this just shows the advantages of socialized medicine or non-socialized medicine, the differences are insignificant compared to the problem. The problem is that you know people don't have terribly good ways of treating this yet, and, it's, and even if we go to our you know, not-so-good ways – they we didn't have no country has enormous reserve the united states actually has more icu beds than most because we planned ahead by having in central cities lots of young men shoot each other which just shows that you know all is for the best in this best of all possible worlds but that's why we have more icu beds per capita is because we have a higher murder rate where people are being shot with pistols uh some of those people you know, end up being in the ICU for a while. Some of them get better, but that's why we have twice as much. And, and I think people will be, you know, amazed at how forward-looking we were uh, in uh, having that kind of society. The, uh, but, you know, um, everybody wants to downplay it. I mean, they want it personally because you know they're looking something in the face. It's not the end of the universe. But it's real bad. There is, you know, there is a difference between nothing and uh, the end of the universe. But I mean, if you had something that killed 10 million people, if it killed 10 million young people, it still wouldn't be the end of the United States. In history, many things like this have happened, which, by the way, is another point. People say, well, X could not happen. I said, but it has happened. And they'll say, but, you know, you couldn't end up infecting this. I said what they did in 1918. Or they said, well, but but that was a one-off. I said, no, it isn't. That's a one-off in that it's worldwide, which has required more, um, you know, worldwide fast communications and stuff. I mean, I guarantee you, before Columbus, you didn't have worldwide epidemics. And if you go back further, you could have things limited. And you, you did sometimes that hit only Africa or hit only China. Um, but that's the great thing about trade and free movements of people. As far as I can tell, for most of history, it was basically a way – I mean, since the – like, think of things like the Silk Road, okay? Now, what was the huge economic benefit that happened to, say, the Roman Empire and Europe because of the Silk Road? They got silk. Okay, yeah. what 
what's the downside? They got the Black Plague and the Plague of Justinian and probably 16 other things. Trade in the past had more externalities than are generally acknowledged, mm-hmm. like you know, lots of dead people. Yeah. But it, it was worth it because you know some important guy's wife got to look half naked. Well, I mean, the counter argument is societies were in a Malthusian trap, so something was going to kill the people. You, you might not have had excess deaths compared to absent the disease. Well, those proper people probably would have been perfectly happy to not die. I'm reasonably sure. Of, but anyhow, the point is, like now, some places, you know, the, the 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 amount and accuracy of the historical record varies, but in places like Europe, we know quite a bit. And we know there were plagues and plagues and plagues and plagues. This one would not have been in, you know, of those written down, this would not have been one of the more important ones. I mean, some of them were much worse. I mean, and it wasn't just the Black Plague of, you know, the Middle Ages and the th- middle 1300s. There was also the Plague of Justinian, which was also the bubonic plague. <coughs> there were two very hard plagues that hit around 200 A.D., uh, 180 and around 200 AD, the uh, the plague, the Antonine plague that killed Marcus Aurelius, uh, um, and then another one called the plague of Cyprian. Apparently, a different disease about 20 years later. Uh, we know, and there were many others. Uh, I mean, you know, something that just killed five percent of the people that might end up with, you know, two lines in a medieval chronicle. And but I've read some of those medieval chronicles. These things happen every now and then, you know. You know, uh, but most people, you know, their sense of history, you know, history stops probably before, you know, his, their their picture of history is like a little bubble and it doesn't even go back to their own birth. So when people say it couldn't happen, I said it's happened many times. Uh, I mean, there's even hints of this in evolution. Every now and then you see, you know, you can date periods of change and certain immune genes which suggest oh we must have had some pretty hefty epidemics back you know a hundred thousand years ago for to hit x Uh, although that was actually a little more difficult because back then there were fewer people and they covered a smaller fraction of the world so you know probably didn't happen as often as it does now but it could happen and it did happen sometimes so uh um yeah it's like everybody says you know this just couldn't happen and i said because it hasn't happened in your lifetime you know, and there were certainly people in um, the 1930s who said, well, you know, it's not like Germany's going to try to conquer everybody in Europe and just kill people for no reason. Why would they do that? And the answer is, but people have. Yeah, there does seem a lot of parallels to the rise of Hitler, where you know, it keeps getting harder and harder for the powers to stop him. And they could have done so much less so much earlier. And, of course, they waited until... Well, I mean, I would I would say in defense of the current powers that be, a position I rarely take, mm-hmm. this has been rapid. It is mm-hmm. not just that it is things outside their experience and saying they should read history. I said, well, that's like saying they should and they shouldn't be fat and they sh- and they're asking them to be somebody else. There's no way they're going to change. Yeah. But 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 in their defense, there hasn't been a lot of time. And there hasn't been an equally serious, rapid problem. I mean, you might compare HIV in some ways, but at least it didn't double in three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people aren't very good at this kind of thing, and we didn't elect people for it. And if they, you had somebody who was good at it, they probably wouldn't have wanted to elect him because he'd be unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, who wants to elect somebody unusual? Uh, I'll tell you, the, a closer thing is the sort of things that would make a good ship captain. Uh, maybe even one in, a captain in war, somebody 
you know, somebody who could wake up at one o'clock in the morning and he figures out something that at least saves some of his fleet from a surprise attack on the spot. I mean, most people, even in World War II, weren't that good, but a few were. Yeah. I mean, a few of them would at least do something and save something that could be saved. <clears throat> but, you know, the timing, you know, it's like that. It's fast. It's, uh, no, it would have been better if we had done things like that we have not yet done enough to limit the spread. Uh, I don't think any Western country has. Uh, although, you know, Italy's, you know, turning the screw more. But uh, it may be that Italians weren't the easiest people to get to do anything. Uh, mm-hmm. That was certainly Mussolini's opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, but, uh, and I remember a case when they, they put uh, radar guns on the, uh, their superhighways, the Autostrada, mm-hmm. and they put a bunch of them. It was our new policy. We're going to check for people driving to 110 miles an hour. And people just pulled their cars off and destroyed them all the first weekend. <laughs> No, I don't think that they're disobeying that much, but I don't think they're obeying terribly well uh, in Italy, and I think they need to. Uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, um, well, are they, have you seen the videos from India where there are police going around and they're just hitting people up with sticks if they, you know, if they're not out for a good reason or if they're congregated? If you, if you can get the job done with nothing harsher than that, great. I mean, it's. You know, you don't want to be harsh for the sake of harshness. You want to do it for effect. If they, you know, India, I don't know if they're going to be able to do anything, but they might have things on their side. Like, I mean, even the United States has at least a couple things in, on our side. We have lower human density. That's mm-hmm. at least somewhat help. I mean, all else equal, we might not have to go as far as China did to to get it under control. Uh, it means driving private cars in most of the country as opposed to public transit. Yeah. Uh you know, all the things that Matthew Iglesias ever wanted us to do, the more we did them, the more dead we will be. I, I said so all along. But uh, uh, India has one thing that could be affecting it, which, you know, we don't have, which is caste. I mean, people don't interact. I mean, in a lot of ways, I mean, some ways people obviously have commerce across caste lines, but there's a lot of relationships they don't seem to have outside, you know, their own special group. And if you can think of it as India is divided into many little groups, each with a little wall around it, maybe that's helpful in this situation. I mean, I'm sure it's been terrible for them on the whole over the past few thousand years, but in this case, maybe it's useful. Yeah, let's let's hope their, their medical I mean, system isn't up to dealing with this if a lot of people get sick. Not yet. Even we can we can get better, but a lot of these things, I mean. Mostly it's R&D. It's figuring out answers. I mean, I don't – it's in a sense, it's not quite like World War II because in World War II, you could say to a pretty large extent, like if we, we sort of know what you need in a tank and what we need to do is make a whole lot of them, all right? Uh, and uh, here, it's not like we already know the answer and all we have to do is manufacture a whole lot of it. I mean, there are some parts of the problem that are like that. You could say we need more of certain medical uh, – um, equipment and so forth, and and people say, oh, we can never make it. We've lost all our manufacturing. I said, we're probably the second biggest manufacturer in the world, and yes, we, all that stuff will get fixed rapidly, although not as rapidly as we would like. But the problem is, you know, the disease can grow faster than that, and will at least in places like New York. But uh, uh, but but more, we need to invent solutions, which was only us, you know, 
it mattered in World War II, but it wasn't as much of what you needed to do. I mean, most, you know, the average guy could get a job in, in, a, in a war factory and contribute. Today, we need more, at least at this stage, we need somebody to invent a solution. Now, once we get that solution, perhaps it will require efforts of many people. Perhaps we'll have to manufacture something or manufacture some drug or, or you know, or something. Uh, mm -hmm. But, uh, uh, but it's not like that situation, and we can't just say if we just had 20 million people working on it, it'll all get made by a certain date because we, at this point, we don't know what to do. We know some things, but we don't really have a sufficiently effective method of treating, preventing, or curing it. But but that doesn't mean we can't. I know people uh, like Robin Hansen says, oh, well, you know, there's just nothing we can get done in a reasonable amount of time. And uh, I think it's uh, more he thinks probably we won't get something meaningfully yeah, done well, in a reasonable amount of time. To make an estimate on that, you need to have sort of a broad picture of the possibilities of biomedicine, and I don't think he does. Well, I think he is a health economist. I don't know how much he knows about the biomedicine part, but it's well, not you have to, you have to know. Well, I think I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know how much he knows, but I know. We got lots of people who know how to do things, and one of the things is we have, you know, like vast numbers of people who are working on X, Y, and Z, which might have been medicine, which might have been theoretical genetics, and they are going to be repurposed, at least for a while, to work on this, and that's appropriate. I mean, we will be throwing lots of talent, and we're not alone. Mm -hmm. England has a very, very strong biomedical research tradition. They're going to be working on it. I mean, even if their prime minister is a doofus who goes and shakes the hands of people who have this, it doesn't mean – or like, for example, there was one thing being discussed, which I approve partly because I said it all several weeks ago anyhow. But uh, they were saying we want adaptive responses. Like let's suppose we get this under moderate control. So the cases are actually shrinking. One thing you want to do on a regional basis is say how much can we uh, – uh, we would like to relax this this thing, which is onerous and expensive, uh, or perhaps replace it with something else that is not so expensive. Uh, we do this on a regional basis. We try it. We measure things very closely. We see what the response is. If it's okay, we may do the same thing in other places, again, adjusting for local conditions. And, and then we keep doing things like this. It's adaptive response. I think Timothy Gowers was talking about this. And, you know, I talked about it a little bit, you know, you know, we, we, I talked about it with you earlier, right? Right. But it won't hurt to have Timothy Gowers thinking about the optimal way to do it because he is a Fields medalist, and mathematically he makes me look like a baby. Uh, he can help, and he wants to help, and he will help. And there are many people like that. Uh, uh, I had one thought along those lines. Is One problem is that you know there are a number of fields that would have been benefited if we had smarter people in them. Yeah. One of them is epidemiology. We've seen a lot of things that are just casually stupid done by people here, and not always because the boss told them to. Some people were just managed to be wrong, okay? You know, like the professional epidemiologists or slash public health people were saying quarantines and travel restrictions never work, but that was just nonsense. It's interesting the Chinese dismissed it and never seemed to have believed it for a second, but it is – I consider a positive sign that a number of these people have changed their minds upon seeing results. Yeah. I was actually a little surprised that mere evidence could ever change anybody's mind. Uh, well, let's but, hope the U.S. changes its mind on masks. I mean, that... masks are interesting, uh, and um, I mean the you know the government, the CDC, 
to this day is lying to everybody and saying masks are not helpful. Masks are helpful. They are. If everybody wore masks, you would have less transmission and less. You would also be less, somewhat less likely to catch it. They do not make you bulletproof, mm-hmm. but they are helpful, and they don't have to be perfect to be helpful. And what I've heard is like, why are they consistently saying falsehoods? By the way, they're going to stop saying falsehoods sometime this week. Let's hope. No, I'm sure. Uh, they're already, you know, leaking things. Oh, they're going to change their guidance. I.e., they're going to stop lying. Mm-hmm. Well, now the theory is they lied because they were short on masks. They want to reserve them all for uh, for doctors and you know nurses and so forth. And therefore, they lied to make people think they weren't worth having. Yeah. Now, I would have tried a weird approach uh, if I were in their shoes. Which I mean, I might have done better. I mean, after all, I would have done better on every other decision that they have done anything about in the past three months, yeah. which is kind of alarming is when you think about it. But I would have tried to tell the truth. I would have said the people who really need these are the frontline health workers, and, and we're reserving what limited supplies are the best ones we have for them, and we're going to ramp that up. <clears throat> but but the ones you make at home could be useful. Do so. Mm-hmm. There. Or our other ones, which you can find at the hardware store, which may be of intermediate use, do so. Do all that. Uh, and, you know, and there would already be propaganda campaigns going on about how real superheroes wear masks. You know, I think we should do is all the TV shows, we should digitally alter them so everyone's wearing a mask. You know, any show currently shown now, I mean, it can't be, I doubt it's that hard. Well, I would I would start with whatever shows have particularly ugly people on them, uh, so which would you know could <laughs> no could you be, want beautiful... it could be a pure win, you know. Uh, no, no, the... you want the opposite. The ugly people are not wearing the mask. The beautiful people are. But everybody will assume the beautiful people are ugly no, underneath. No, because the we'll mask. recognize them. The beautiful in the, on the shows that are serialized. I would have Carrie Elways do a public service announcement. I don't know who he, that is. He was the actor who was. Uh, the hero in The Princess Bride. Okay. Which you should have watched, even if you have not. I have uh, watched that. It was a while ago. He, he always wears a mask. You oh, know, yeah. He's, oh, and there is a scene in which he's fighting, uh, you know, a guy who actually is something of a giant. But he's fighting the giant. You know, the character is Fezzik. Mm-hmm. And he's only survives because he's faster. And then finally the giant says, how come you wear a mask? Is your face terribly burned or something? And then Wesley says, they're really very comfortable. I think soon everybody will be wearing them. <laughs> and that's what I would have Carrie Elways recapitulate is that scene. He'd be there with a mask and he says – somebody asked him off screen because I think Lou, I think that, that uh, the actor who had some sort of pituitary problem is no longer with us. But somebody says, why do you wear a mask? And I would repeat that exact scene. And all of this is going to happen in the near future. A few days ago, I said in 10 days, everybody will be wearing masks. What will happen is the CDC – partly because they probably have managed to get more, mm-hmm. partly because they're seeing that their advice is in at least two ways is disastrously stupid. A, people can make uh, you know, lower tech masks that are still useful, and why not do so? And the second is when you lie to people and you're obviously lying, they might not believe you when they need to. I, that is not the most subtle idea in the world, but it's too subtle for them. At any rate mm-hmm. – I already hear in places like what Mickey Kaus was talking, which is probably where somewhere along the California, L.A. coast. He was saying like the last time he went to the market and Mickey should not go to the market. He should have it delivered. He said 90 percent of the people wearing masks. It's going to it'll 
it'll go from being forbidden to compulsory. And that's one of the good things about uh, political correctness is a lot of people are used to things suddenly switching from being forbidden to compulsory. Oh, yeah, or the I other think we, we need memes for every group. So if you know, you're know you relatively right wing, not wearing a mask makes you a traitor to the American people. You're spreading disease and making us worse off. If you're left wing, well, you know, the sooner the United States can overcome this, the sooner we can provide aid to poor countries. So not wearing a mask makes you a racist. Um, but, you know, that is diluted by the fact that apparently everything on Earth, every possible action right. and its opposite also makes you a racist. But at any rate, the point is, I think this will happen soon. I predicted 10 days. I could be wrong. and It could be as much as 12. But you'll see Trump wearing a mask. You'll see all the reporters wearing a mask. And it'll be like... You know, what it'll be like is when you you take water, very pure water in a very clean container, you can actually cool it below the regular freezing point mm -hmm. without it solid. But then if you like drop in like a tiny chip of ice, the whole thing suddenly crystallizes. This is what it will be like. Everybody will be wearing masks, hopefully by the end of the week. Uh, yeah. and, and this is something hard, hard to make. Yeah, this is something practical our listeners could do. You just, you know, wear them, even if you go for a walk outside, wear a mask and besides the protection for yourself and not spraying other people, you'll help normalize wearing masks. Well, I mean, of course, you know, the idea that we have to work really hard to normalize things that might, that were never terribly awful, terribly expensive, that are, in fact, terribly comfortable and also might save your life. I, uh, I saw all sorts of people saying, well, there was some reporter, you might know of this person, because uh, I think she was from the rational community to the extent that word means anything. Uh, but she was saying she was telling her uh, friends, her family, oh, we need to start getting ready for this. But it wasn't really – she was – whoever she working for? Was it Vox? Uh, yeah. She was saying oh, – I've, I've heard this. Yeah, but go on. Yeah, she was saying – but I, I just didn't feel comfortable – saying what I thought was really the case. She was pulling her punch. She was saying something, but she was pulling mm -hmm. her punches. She says, well, I thought people might thought I was strange. I said, lady, think how much mm -hmm. better it would be if you just were strange, well, because then you could it'd be okay <laughs> to be right. Uh, the, uh, you know, Feynman, you know, Feynman was strange, not always in a good way, but one thing he had, which was quite useful, he once said, uh, I think this was to his uh, wife at the time, or maybe it was his wife said it to him, why do you care what other people think? Yeah. I mean, particularly when it's something important. Uh, it's, uh, But lots of people didn't want to seem weird. Now, to be fair, most of those people, things were not clear to them. They they don't think mathematically. Uh, speaking of which, I saw lots of people say, but you're talking about doing these very expensive things based on a mathematical model. <laughs> I said, uh, we do a lot of things based on a mathematical model. Like, let's suppose we saw indications that a certain asteroid – it's, it, its orbit had been changed by interaction with Jupiter, and let's say 27 years from now, it looked like it was going to hit the Earth. That would involve a very complicated mathematical model. Uh, it would involve calculating the effects of the gravity of other planets, of the Earth, of the Moon, and then projecting all this 40, you know, 27 years. By the way, can we do that with great accuracy? Sure we can. But it's still a mathematical model. It still involves things that uh, the average person doesn't understand very well. And I said, well, don't you think we should limit our policy to things that the average person can understand? I said, well, that means in certain cases we'll just have to die because yeah. a lot of things people don't understand. But I but I was saying there are whole areas that could stand having smarter people in them. One of them and also more forthright and honest people. But one of them is epidemiology and public health. 
they haven't looked great because they haven't been great. They've been better than some, but you know they've minimized. Again, they said we don't want to panic people, and perhaps they're also thinking if I say the truth, my boss will fire me. It may be true, yeah. uh, but uh, uh, so I have one suggestion. We need to find a pool of smart people. We could at least use as leaven in some of these areas, so that when somebody does the calculations, he has a somebody sitting next to him who actually will do it for him because he knows how. I draft all the particle physicists and have them doing something useful because they're not stupid. Do they know anything about epidemiology? No, but I'll tell you, in three weeks, they'll know more than the people doing it yeah. because they're smart. Uh, and right now they're doing stuff that is not necessary in the short run. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I could say it more strongly, but that part I'm I'd even oh, yeah. I would even use mathematicians. I'm willing to try... Uh, or another thing, like if we're doing medical research, you know where the, the group that you might find the most talent that is not currently fully utilized on that? Uh, where? Veterinarians. Oh, yeah, we've talked about that before. How yeah, they... because veterinarians are on average smarter than the average MD. Yeah. And there's quite a few of them. Uh, although in their case, we would probably have to explain to them how this virus is a threat to puppies. <laughs> Once we convince them of that, well, you know, it probably we'll is. I, I have. I, I've heard it's get. You know, if a family gets it, their pets can get it, and I imagine in that case the pets are killed. So, I don't know, but that's. I I have heard of just a couple of cases where pets have gotten it. I don't know if they got very sick. I don't know if they were infectious, but yeah, it's a possibility. Uh, well, even but, if they're just passing the virus along, you're still going to well, kill. That's the what pets. I meant by infectious. Are they a threat? Oh. And but the point is, right now. Oh, you, you simply don't know, and that's probably enough to, to that you want to get rid of them, considering the risk. But uh, 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 you know, there are many things we can do that we haven't done. Some of them are pretty uh, simple. Uh, you know, mask is simple. Uh, uh, doing more testing. So, like, w once you get the numbers under control, if we ever do that, then you can, there are methods that only work when the numbers are small. By analogy, I mean, like, suppose you had a vast fire going through the burnable areas of California. Probably the, you know, the firefighters couldn't stop it. But if it's at a point where there are only a few little fires around, those they could control and keep from becoming a vast fire. Uh, if we, so, the point is that means you have a new option shows up once the, the the scale of the thing becomes small enough. And similarly, if we can control this well enough, we can. Uh, cut down on the most onerous things, the most expensive things, the most difficult things, and there are some extra options that come into play that simply don't work when it's very large. Uh, but, you know, you can do trace tracing and contact testing. There's all sorts of things you can do. And, of course, one of the things I think is the most hilarious is people explaining, well, you know, it would be better just to let a lot of people die. Uh, now, some of them would say, well, because we could never do what South Korea or Taiwan could do, and because, you know, they're just nature's Superman. Uh, and the answer is, well, but they've managed to hide it for hundreds of years. Maybe they aren't really. Uh, but uh, I believe that was one thing Hansen was saying. Well, sure, Korea could do it, but not the United States. The United States, particularly if some of the more uh, incorrect voices would stop planting stupid ideas, uh, can do quite a bit. Yeah. Well, what do you think? One of Hansen's um, ideas is that he thinks there's a, there's a good. He's not sure of this, but he thinks there's a good chance that the lower your initial exposure, the lower the initial viral load that gets to you, 
the less damage that the virus is going to do. So perhaps, he's certainly not certain of this, but perhaps deliberately giving some people, some volunteers, a small amount of viral load would be safer for them. At this point, having a few volunteers do certain things is not crazy. But his previous idea, which is we need to infect everybody, which was done without any such knowledge, was crazy. Uh, now, are there cases in which the, the dosage, the how many copies of the virus you get in your original dose makes a difference? Uh, some, at least. I would have to do some research on it. I don't know as much as I would like, uh, which is one reason I don't. I could never become a real pundit uh, since I actually want to know the answer. But logically, you'd think it could make a difference because it means it could get to a high viral count inside your body quicker if it starts out with a thousand copies than with one. Now, maybe not a lot quicker. It depends, like, you know, it depends on the replication time inside the body. Think of it this way. What if it took only five hours to go from one to a thousand? Yeah. Then the only difference would be your body would have five extra hours to start getting ready, making antibodies. That might not be a big fraction of the total time it takes. It might not make much difference. But then again, if it's, uh, uh, suppose it rep replicates a bit slower than that, then maybe it would make a difference. So I don't know. It's not impossible. Now, do I see strong evidence for this at this point? I see a couple of things that are moderately suggestive, but I don't think I really know. Uh, uh, so, you know, it would be easy to check this out, probably, by the way. Uh, and it might be, for example, if somebody had already done a similar question with uh, SARS in the lab, I haven't heard of such a study, but it could have been done. You might, and that would probably be enough to give you a strong hint. I mean, it's a related virus. Uh, but what I would do is I would look for, uh, uh, you know, what is the record on other viruses that? Remember, this is not an extraordinary weird virus. It's not a, a retrovirus, which is you know unusual and grafts itself into the human germline. Uh, it's not, as far as we know. See, there are certain viruses that specialize in being persistent. You know, they may have an original thing, but then it hides in certain cells indefinitely. There's mm -hmm. no indication this is like that. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, we could check that out. But I would first thing I would do is I would do a literature search and say, for other viruses that are not terribly strange and special, does this, how true is this dosage idea? I don't mm -hmm. know off the top of my head. But uh, but on a related tap, people said, well, maybe people are, are become carriers for life. I said, um, odds are at least 100 to 1 against it. I mean, there are things that do that, but they have very specialized adaptations to do that. And they're typically ones that people have had for a very long time, like herpes viruses. Mm -hmm. You know, herpes virus, uh, like, you know, here's here's a well-known one. It's in that family, the one that causes chicken pox. When you get chicken pox, it hides in certain nerve cells, and then it tends to reemerge when you're quite old, like over 60. Yeah. And then it can then infect a young person and start another chickenpox epidemic. This is an adaptation that lets chickenpox survive even in a small community like a bunch of Eskimos because it can sit and wait 50 years for a new crop of young kids. You know, for every virus, there's a, you, know, you need a minimum number of people to keep it going. Mm -hmm. And that depends upon, for example, how rapidly it moves through a population. Uh, but that number is not very high for chickenpox because of this specialized ability to hide. There is no indication that this coronavirus has any such thing. So, I mean, and similarly, when people say, well, how do you know that people will be immune to it? The answer is because people are immune to the vast majority of viruses, including other coronaviruses. So it is not a sure thing. It is only a 99% chance. And at this point, when we're in a hurry 
although I'm perfectly happy to have other people start checking out possibilities, you got to make, you know, you won't go, you have to bet on something and betting on a 99% you should feel semi-comfortable with. Uh, so do, am I, now on the other hand, is it true that this immunity will necessarily be strong and lasting? That I wouldn't guarantee because sometimes they're not, but you know, will people be immune for like at least enough to cover the summer? Probably, oh, you know, very super likely. Are they likely to be long-term carriers? No. What about, there were people talking about, well, there were people who tested, were sick, got well, and now we're finding something again. I said, you may have had, all you need is a few errors in the test to generate effects like that. It's unlikely that it's actually happening. Yeah. So uh, uh, there are a lot of things that you can dismiss as highly unlikely just because you know something about the general history of viruses. And I've seen some people doing that, except most of the people talking about it don't know anything about it. So every possibility seems real, but only some of them are. I mean, the ones that are real are bad enough. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, well, that's good. We should probably wrap this up. I want to edit, edit this and get this out today. So second, if we have, do we have any other questions? Uh, uh, no, that'll do for now. Okay. All right. So I'll I'll get this out. Thank you for talking to me again, Greg. And we'll um, I'm sure we'll be doing this again. God, I hope not very much longer. Mm -hmm. I hope, uh, you know, I'm hoping that somebody pulls a miracle out of his pocket. Uh, I don't expect it, but I mean, I will tell you with fair confidence, 20 years from now, assuming we're still around, we'll look back and say, boy, if we'd only done X, but nobody knew that. And I wish somebody would stumble onto X. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but, you know, you can't just say it's time, you know, for a breakthrough.